107.5 K248BR in Santa Cruz and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 p.m. Stay tuned next for Stone's Throw with Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows out of sight. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throne. Today is the 7th of November. Aha, right, 2017. Yes. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Now, next Tuesday, I won't be on the air because we're having a fundraiser for our archives. Uh, and God willing, I'll be on the Tuesday after that. I, uh, uh, I promised myself that I wouldn't wring my hands over things as they are. You know, this week, death is... is is everywhere. It's become our master narrative in a uh, death culture, I guess. There's a poet once who wrote that looking at his existence, all he saw was sex and death. Ah, surely there is something more, something to seek if you know what that is, if you know it. Tell me its name. This week, this ubiquitous horror, uh, we've reached the point now where we can't tell one from the other. Uh, this one seems to be unique in that the, the, uh, the madman was after his mother-in-law. Make of that what you will. Uh, the media devours this uh, death culture and makes terrific soap opera. This recent massacre in Texas uh, with so many children left dead, what is that? The body count was 26 and 20 wounded. All best thoughts for those who who will, let us hope, survive. Uh, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Now, <laughs> yes... Along with death, the most popular theme uh, trope these days is sex, that is, sexual harassment. Second best, of course, it's certainly a poor second to bloody mayhem, so familiar, deja vu. Oh, sexual harassment, I I always (laughs) say, yes, sex... uh, in the past, at least in my past, in my experience, 
Sexual harassment was hard to see. We thought it was just reality. Uh, I remember my style was to be a tough cookie, you know. Uh, uh, To have a a tough veneer. Veneer, that was the secret. Uh, It's very Irish, you know, just to laugh at crass behavior on the part of males, but... uh, Obviously, it's time to uh, review our notes, and uh, I think it may be serious, this business of using sexual harassment to torment women. Uh, I remember the worst, the worst for me was a summer I worked for a a group of Bible salesmen in San Francisco. I was trying to make enough money to get back to school in the fall. And uh, I didn't quit until one of the younger salesmen uh, assumed that I was the girlfriend of the boss. And I thought, this this can't, this can't go on. <laughs> I got to get out of here. It was funny, but pretty awful. Uh, I was one of those women who definitely separated, uh, what would you call it, uh, uh, stranger rape, yes, that 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 that's a big deal as far as I'm concerned. But what is called date rape or acquaintance rape, uh, you know, situations in which you assume you'll be alive, you will survive it. Uh, that is a little different. I remember a phrase in the local paper uh, called yeah, forcible rape. How do you like that one? Uh, I prefer the term assault. I think that's probably... Probably better, but I, I don't know. Domestic violence is the the thing which foreshadows public mayhem. Uh, it's funny how sex and death are kind of married. They get all mixed up. Uh, this latest psychopath, uh, what was it? He, uh, uh, his little step stepson. Uh, uh, oh, dear. What an awful thing. Uh, he... Uh, he had a concussion. Uh, this man was obviously a clear and present danger. Uh, uh, when mean spirits uh, express their their what is it? Their anguish, their contempt, uh, their self hatred is what it is. Uh, sometimes the gender thing. Well, I. I always remind myself that the female, the woman, is the original other. I find this impulse to degrade women self-destructive, turning on your mother, so to speak, uh, whether it's mother-in-law, whatever. Um, hard to understand the the primal nature of that uh, that self-loathing. Uh, uh-huh. I used to always uh, ask them, does your mother know you behave like this? <laughs> that usually took care of it if they were just just uh, foolish jerks, you know. Uh, anyway, even today, uh, most women know the score. Uh, I call it feminist seven, fascist nine, and that's uh, optimistic... I'm sick to death of this darkness, uh, human ignorance, the sight of a society 
eating its own tail, destroying its children, its young. You know, uh, yes, it's like a snake, snake eating its own tail. Time and terror definitely have us by the throat. We can, of course, transcend, yes, transcend. It's easy for me. I live alone, and I'm so old (laughs) that nothing really bothers me at the same time. I, I find that transcendence is not in the cards for me, uh, This climate of catastrophe and dread of the next act of violence definitely, definitely shadows my, uh, my days. I, I search for the comfort, uh, of compassion, of humor, joy, you know, of uh, those folks who swim through the fountain of their tears and dance on, as we used to say. Ah, the folks who are capable of joyous participation in sorrows of the world. (laughs) Still, most days I just try to escape, you know. Look elsewhere. Go to the back of beyond and live in the past. Find a book, play, poem, film, a painting. Beauty is always out there, always within reach, uh, what Matthew Arnold called sweetness and light. Uh, Samuel Beckett would say, how cruel, yes, how cruel it is, yes. We see all that order and that beauty, he wrote, yes. All that order and that beauty, he said, see what skilled attention they get. All these dying of their wounds, enough, enough, enough of that hand-wringing nonsense. For me, it's going to be the poets uh, for a long time, I think. Uh, maybe a little a little uh, trip into TV land, but basically, I, I need to be, uh, I need to be in my book, yes. I need to be looking always for the voice, I listened to something about Pablo Neruda for a moment this morning. Uh, apparently, he was poisoned, and I, I keep thinking that here in America, they don't even bother to uh, poison the poets, but they find ways, they find ways to spread their toxins. Uh, I just count on, I just count on the poets to lift me up uh, What have I got in front of me here? Ah, A wonderful poem about the ancient Germanic earth goddess by Algernon Swinburne. I always like to start with something about uh, ancient, ancient women. I I notice people still wince when we say goddess, uh, this one is called Hertha, the ancient Germanic earth goddess by Algernon Swinburne. He writes, the voice of Hertha, right? I am that which began out of me the years roll. 
Out of me, God and man, I am equal and whole. God changes and man and the form of them bodily. I am the soul before ever land was, before ever the sea or soft hair of the grass or fair limbs of the tree or the flesh-colored fruit of my branches. I was, and thy soul was in me. Before God was, I am. That's kind of a hard one. I remember publishing a little quip many, many years ago. Got me into trouble. Used to have um, man and woman exchanging little uh, epigraphs. The man says, I am master of the universe. The woman smiles and says, I am the universe. Emily Dickinson writes, When much in the woods as a little girl, I was told that the snake would bite me, that I might pick a poisonous flower or goblins kidnap me. But I went along and met no one but angels. There you go. Emily could do it. Joyous participation in the sorrows of the world. <laughs> Emily writes, I started early, took my dog, and visited the sea. The mermaids in the basement came out to look at me. Oh, how I love Emily. I uh, recommend this film called A Quiet Passion. It's a little slow. Some people will moan and groan, but I find it very interesting. Uh, Cynthia Nixon and uh, let's see, Keith Carradine, A Quiet Passion, all about Emily Dickinson. Uh, I'm looking here at some of her most famous poems. This one is about the orgasm, yes, God's orgasm. Mm -hmm. She writes, uh, she writes about her God. <laughs> yes, she says her family addresses the void as thou, but Emily too addresses something or someone. Let's call it uh, the great spirit or the... Uh, uh, <laughs> the creator, how about that? Uh, she writes, he fumbles at your soul as players at the keys before they drop full music on. He stuns you by degrees, prepares your brittle nature for the ethereal blow by fainter hammers Further heard, then nearer, then so slow. Your breath has time to straighten, your brain to bubble cool. Deals one imperial thunderbolt. 
that scalps your naked soul. When winds take forests in their paws, the universe is still. <laughs> it always reminds me of her famous poem, yes, Wild Nights, Wild Nights Were I With Thee. I think that's her sexiest poem. Uh, anyway, always, always, when the uh, when the news comes of another shootout, another tragedy in our nation, or well, everywhere, yes, it just goes on. I light a couple candles, and uh, I like to look first at Emily Dickinson's poem. Uh, let's see about the pain. She writes so much about pain. She says, I like a look of agony because I know it's true. Men do not sham convulsion nor simulate a throw. The eyes glaze once, that is death. Impossible to feign the beads upon the forehead by homely anguish strung. Her famous poem about uh, tragedy goes like this. After great pain, a formal feeling comes. The nerves sit ceremonious like tombs. The stiff heart questions, was it he that bore, and yesterday, or centuries before? The feet mechanical go round of ground or air or aught, a wooden way regardless grown, a quartz contentment like a stone. This is the hour of lead, remembered, if outlived, as freezing persons recollect the snow. First chill, then stupor, then the letting go. Emily Dickinson lived 56 years, born in 1830. I love the, uh, the use of the word stone whenever I find it, and not just in the poems of Emily Dickinson, but whenever I find it, I remember why it is I selected that name to be, yes, selected it to be my own. Uh, I have brought so much with me today, uh, Emily Dickinson, God bless her. I had a kind and a uh, Emily Bronte poem. I had a very kind letter from a friend, from a listener here, who said kind things about my uh, my reading of Edna St. Vincent Millay last week. And I brought, so I brought a couple more. Mm -hmm. uh, she has a, a sonnet series in which she mourns the, the end of our species, right, uh, 
Ah, the great stillness she talks about. Here's another one by Edna Malay. She writes, The Agnostic. The tired agnostic longs for prayer more than the blessed can ever do between the chinks in his despair from out his forest he peeps through upon a clearing sun so bright he cups his eyeballs from its light he for himself who would decide what thing is black what thing is white whirls with the whirling spectrum wide, runs with the running spectrum through red, orange, yellow, green, and blue, and purple, turns and stays his stride abruptly, reaching left and right to catch all colors into light, but light evades him. Still he stands with rainbows streaming through his hands. He knows how half his hours are spent in blue or purple discontent, in red or yellow, hate or fright, and fresh young green whereon a blight sits down in orange overnight. Yet worship still the ardent sod for every ripped and ribbon hues, for warmth of sun, breath of air, and beauty met with everywhere, not knowing why, not knowing who pumps in his breath and sucks it out, nor unto whom his praise is due. Yet naught, nor nobody obeys, but his own heart, which bids him praise, This knowing that doubled were his days, could he but rid his mind of doubt, yet will not rid him in such ways of awful dalliance with despair, and though denying, not betrays. Yes, agnostics have it pretty tough. We know that most poetry is either a praise song or a lament. Uh, it's a very hard for those of us who do not believe in the supernatural, yes, to find a life source, a wick, green, yes. Mm, here goes Malay again, searching, searching. The apple trees bud, but I do not. Who forgot April? Happiness, happiness, which once I held in my hand. Does it persist? Does it exist? Perhaps in some foreign land? Did it expand somewhere into something that would twist my wrist? Does it exist sweeter than I could bear anywhere? Oh, there is no speed in Indianapolis or in Monte Carlo which can exceed the awful speed of my thought. These tiny Fiats and Bugattis with the behind them bespeckled, looking like beetles, men who must go fast in order to live, in order to outlast 
those that pile up on sandbags, there is nothing so fast, I find, as the motion of the mind. Why did you, June, June, so suddenly arrive at noon in the midst of July? I was not prepared for the deferred appearance of your purple-haired adherence to all that we live for. What can I give for your knowledge of when to expand and when to contract? This instructed more academic college of when to act. Oh, sovereign angel, wide-winged stranger above a forgetful earth, care for me, care for me. Keep me unaware of danger and not regretful, not forgetful of my innocent birth. If ever I should get warm again, which I somewhat doubt. I shall light two candles, one to St. Christopher and one for me, to keep us out of danger and free from harm in our adventurous voyage over cold, unseen sea. And as the sonnets get sadder and sadder, I think I read Epitaph for the Race of Man last time, and uh, I did want to read you... Yes. <laughs> oh, dear. I think that Edna St. Vincent Millay was possessed by uh, the subject of Sex and sensuality, love, the real thing. <laughs> not not uh, the use of sex to torment, but, uh, yes, fulfilled desires. She wishes not to hurt, always, yes, in all these poems. She speaks about being hurt herself and she ends one poem saying once there was a heart I broke that I think is worse here is a another lament song uh, a long poem I'm skipping to the middle where she writes, evil upon evil laminate through layers unaccountable as leaves in coal. To strip that into strata, perpetrate such outrage upon evil and create good out of wickedness at this late date? There, there's a trick to tame the gamiest soul. Oh, sweet earth, you might from birth, oh, beaming sight with gentle glow, have lighted all the night, and man, a star upon a planet, see? Radiant beyond the furthest nebulae, but, but earth grown to green and lush estate, her blossom, man, has never yet unfurled, observe how bawdy, botched, and profligate, except in greed, 
precedes this pretty world. We move in darkness, solemn and extreme. We falter forward, hesitate, decide to turn about, pause, fumble, plunge, collide, beg pardon, and then bob and bob about from left to right, bump foreheads, burst out in nervous, merry laughter, plunge forth into the forest suddenly, running east by north. Slashing through bogs, tripped by submerged logs with muddy water in my mouth, till every sound subsides and all is lost and in fog, and neither of us has thought to say good night. Yes, I have uh, no time left to read you. Yes, all the figs from thistles that I had planned, yes. Safe upon the solid rock. The ugly houses stand. Come and see my shining palace built upon the sand. It's been Jennifer Stone. Next week, two weeks. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Eduardo Galliano is our world's most lovable revolutionary, says Naomi Klein. Most of us agree. We want to share a loving tribute to Eduardo, the great Uruguayan author of The Open Veins of Latin America, because his final book, Hunter of Stories, appears this November, a year and a half after Eduardo's death. KPFA has asked a few writers who love him to read his new stories to us and share their memories. Alice Walker, Al Young, Alejandro Murguia, and Aurora Levens Morales will do this on Sunday evening, November 19, 7.30 p.m. at First Congregational Church, 2345 Channing Way in Berkeley. This KPFA benefit has wheelchair access. Tickets are at brownpapertickets.com.